This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll The year was 1957, and eight years had passed since the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Schneerson, had founded Kvar Chabad, the small village, one train stop outside of Tel Aviv. And the small village quickly turned into a popular place for Chabad Hasidim to live, whereas in the beginning, the problem was getting people to move there. Now there was a problem of running out of apartments. And more and more Hasidim found themselves being turned away from Kvar Chabad. So they wrote to the Rebbe, the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, and they asked him what to do. The Rebbe said, well, obviously a new neighborhood has to be built in Kvar Chabad. And the Rebbe said that he will find the funding for this neighborhood. So the Rebbe wrote to some Chabad businessmen in the land of Israel, and he said, we need to build more apartments in Kvar Chabad. Since 1955, the Rebbe had been in contact with Zalman Shazar, who was at the time a member of the Knesset and eventually became the president of the State of Israel. But this was in 1955. The Rebbe was in touch with Zalman Shazar about the new neighborhood in Kfar Chabad. The Rebbe wrote to Zalman Shazar and he said to him, we're going to designate a new neighborhood in Kfar Chabad on the festival of Yud Tes Kislev, the day of the liberation and the release from imprisonment of the Alter Rebbe the first Rebbe of Chabad. And the Rebbe asked that Zalman Shazar officially announce the new neighborhood in Kfar Chabad and that he appear at the event to dedicate the new neighborhood. So Zalman Shazar showed up on time. They dedicated the new neighborhood. But now the question was, where would the money come from? And no one in Israel knew at the time that a few hours later, at a Farbrengen in 770 in Crown Heights, an amazing story was about to begin. Among the people sitting in the crowd at 770 was Mr. Naftali Dulitsky, a Chabad Hasid and diamond dealer who was from Tel Aviv. Whenever he went to New York, he made sure to visit the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Brooklyn, and he would bring to the Rebbe a large sum of money, which he made from buying diamonds at a lower price in New York and then reselling them in Israel or in Europe. It was no surprise when Dulitsky showed up at the Fabrengen, he was handed a slip of paper that included his name and the amount of money that he would be giving. And Dulitsky knew that the Rebbe would be asking him for a large amount of money. So he wrote down a large number, 20% of the money that he had brought with him to New York to buy diamonds with. This wasn't yet his profit. This was his principal money, which he used for investing. He knew that the Rebbe was going to ask him for money. He said, okay, so give the Rebbe 20% of his principal. So at the Fabrengen, the Rebbe talked about the new neighborhood in Kfar Chabad, and he said how it would be used for spreading the wellsprings of Hasidus outwards in the land of Israel. And then he said, there are people who are scared to give their donation now, since they know that the Rebbe will publicly announce how much more they needed to add. So they preferred to give their donation in some other quieter time. But now is the festival and the joy of the Alter Rebbe, 
of Yudtes Kislev. Therefore, it's a special time, and I insist that everyone give your donations right now. And not only that, the Rebbe is promising that you'll get back four or even ten times as much as you give, and you will be able to accomplish also spiritual and material things, just like the Alter Rebbe was able of doing himself. So the Rebbe said, it pays to put yourself in danger, to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. So if I tell you to raise the amount of how much money you should give for tzedakah, it only means that you're going to get more brachas and more blessings. So after a Hasidic melody... The Rebbe began reading the notes, reading the person's name, how much money the person had decided to give, and then how much more they had to add. Sometimes it was twice the amount, and sometimes it was 200 times the amount that was written on the slip of paper. Dulitsky realized that he would have to give more than the 20% he was planning, and he had no idea how much the Rebbe was going to ask of him. And when the Rebbe read his note, the Rebbe said, Tula Dulitsky, five times more. Dulitsky turned white. Five times more was all of the money that he had for doing business in New York. That's the whole reason that he was there. He hadn't even bought a single diamond yet. And here the Rebbe was asking him for all of the money that he had. But as a loyal chassid, he didn't ask questions. As soon as the Farbrengen was over, he went to the Rebbe's secretary and gave all of the money that he had brought with him to America for buying diamonds. And he had no idea what he was going to do the next day, but being a chassid, he decided, I'm not going to worry about it. A year later, one of Dulitsky's friends, a fellow diamond merchant from Israel, ran into him, and both of them were Chabad Hasidim, and he said, I heard the story about what happened with the Rebbe, giving all of your money for Kvar Chabad. He said, tell me, what did you do afterwards? So Dulitsky said, a few days after the Farbrengen, he got on a ship to go back to Israel. He had a ticket, a round-trip ticket. And his plan was originally to stop in Europe for a few days, sell the diamonds, and then go back to Israel. But he had nothing to do in Europe because he didn't have any diamonds. But he had the ticket. And on Friday, the ship landed in the port of London. Since I didn't know anyone in London, I'd figured I'd continue on to Antwerp, where I had many friends from selling diamonds. And he arrived early in the morning and went to the diamond exchange, and immediately he ran into a friend of his. Ah, Dulitsky, you don't know how happy I am to see you. So Dulitsky said to his friend, well, what's going on? He said, we're about to do a really big deal on large diamonds. And I know you're an expert in large diamonds. I need you to be a partner in this deal. So Dulitsky explained to the friend that he didn't have any money. He didn't have any diamonds. He didn't have anything. He was on his way back home with nothing. But the friend insisted that Dulitsky come because he was an expert in large diamonds. He said, well, at least come with me and see the diamonds. I need your help. Please come with me. Dulitsky tried to get out of it, but the friend wouldn't give up. And finally, Dulitsky agreed on the condition that the friend understood that they're not partners in this deal that Dulitsky is just there as a friend to give him some advice. And so he looked at the diamonds, and he said that it's worth buying them, that they were very nice, and the price was right, relative to the quality, 
And so, Belitsky figuring his job was done, he started to walk out. But the friend said, no, wait a minute, we're going to be partners in this deal. Belitsky said, yeah, but I don't have any money. The friend said, I don't care, I need your expertise. I don't need money. I need somebody who understands these diamonds and you understand the diamonds. I need you to be a partner. So Dulitsky said, fine, I'll be a partner. They signed a contract and the friend promised to send Dulitsky's share when he returned to Israel. And when Dulitsky got back, the friend sent him a letter asking for how to transfer the payment. And Dulitsky sent him back a telegram saying, you don't owe me anything. I'm happy to help you out. But a few days later, he received a letter explaining that he had been able to sell all the diamonds very quickly and make a huge profit. And since it was thanks to Dulitsky advising him to buy the diamonds, he wanted to send his share of the money. And in the letter that Dulitsky received from his friend was a check of his share of the money. When he looked at how much money it was, he realized that it was four times the amount of money he had given to the Rebbe weeks before at the Farbringen. He had given all the money he had for his business deal, hoping to double his money on the trip. But having given all the money to the Rebbe for tzedakah, for Kfar Chabad, what he got in return was two things. He got four times the amount of money, just like the Rebbe promised. But he also learned what it is to be a chassid that has simple faith in the Rebbe and in a kadosh Hu, and not to worry about not having money. Because he was besimcha, he was joyous, then the friend was able to make the partnership with him, which made a channel for him to receive the money that the Rebbe had promised him at the Fabrengen at 770 on Yud Tes Kislev. Thank you for listening, my sweetest friends. I hope you have a wonderful Yud Tes Kislev, the Chabad holiday known as the Rosh Hashanah of Chasidut, when Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi was freed from imprisonment in Tsarist Russia in 1798. I want to thank one of the new supporters of this podcast, someone who asked to remain anonymous. So thank you to the new supporter. And thank you to you, my listeners. Thanks to you, this podcast continues to grow and reach more and more people. Please make sure to continue sharing this podcast with your friends, anyone who you think might enjoy the stories and get something out of it. It's thanks to you sharing 
that the podcast audience continues to grow. Have a good Shabbos. Remember that Hanukkah is just a preparation for the big day, the holy day of Purim. So get ready for Purim, because Purim is coming.